Hey everyone, welcome to the Survival Show Podcast. I'm David, the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips and your host for today's show. Today on the show, my good friend and geopolitical food expert, Bob Gaskin, and I are going to discuss the current U.S. and world food crisis and whether you should be concerned or not. We're going to get into whether world events, key indicators, and the economy are likely to cause a U.S. food shortage or even a worldwide famine. We'll discuss media hype, crisis fatigue, and how they can cause us to dangerously normalize the abnormal while willingly giving up our freedoms. We'll also discuss the most probable scenarios based on the current state of the world's food supply. And before we're all done, we'll discuss a simple action plan you can take now to buffer your personal food supply so you have what you need to ride out any potential storm and a lot more. But before we get into all this great content, let's talk about food. With the worldwide fertilizer shortage, fuel prices higher than ever, I've read that up to 50% of U.S. farmers are not going to plant crops this year. Inflation is already bad, but imagine what a food shortage of this magnitude might do to supplies, civility, and prices this fall. The clock is ticking, so I believe that now is the time to take charge of your long-term food security. In my opinion, there's no better way to do this than to freeze-dry your own leftovers, garden produce, and any surplus foods you can get your hands on. And the easiest and most affordable way to do this is with a Harvest Right freeze-dryer. Karen and I have been using our Harvest Right freeze-dryer for over a year now, and it's allowed us to put away a ton of food for the future that will be as fresh in 20 years as it is today. We've already saved thousands versus what it would have cost us to buy bulk freeze-dried food buckets. And we get to freeze-dry what we like to eat, including full meals, fruit, meat, vegetables, and desserts. Best of all, Harvest Right freeze dryers are built to last and are easy to use. In fact, we found that freeze drying is much easier than canning and is about as easy as freezing and dehydrating food, but with 10 times the shelf life. So if you are ready to get serious about your food security and build a food buffer for if things go really bad with food supplies this fall, my friends at Harvest Right want to offer you, our faithful listeners, free USA shipping, which is a lot, a premier vacuum pump upgrade, which you really want because it reduces maintenance, and a free freeze-drying starter kit. When you use my super secret special link, ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. Now, everybody, listen up. I know their supplies are limited, and they can't hold their current pricing for much longer. So if you've been sitting on the fence, now's the time to act and take charge of your food security and start freeze-drying your leftovers, garden surplus, as well as all your summer party and picnic leftovers. Now here's the deal. If you start now, you could have months, if not years, of freeze-dried food stored away before fall. To get started, click the link in the podcast description or go to ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. That's ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, Bob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, David, great to be here. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, so, hey, for folks that don't actually know your know you or your companies or what you've done for I think like 20 plus years as far as uh, the food industry and the MRE industry and you know global food supply can you just give us a bit of your backstory 
and bring us up to like how you know so much about this stuff. Sure. <laughs> you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> how about the medium version? <laughs> medium version. Uh, okay. Um, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, Marine Corps Infantry. Um, with that, we did, um, I took as many schools as I could. I trained in the jungle training, jungle warfare, uh, urban, uh, or urban survival training, uh, jungle survival training, desert survival training, uh, and of course, urban and desert warfare as well. So, um, kind of developed a passion for survival, uh, training type things, being an outdoorsman, you know, grunt in the infantry, right? Um, after that, we, when I did the jungle training down in, uh, Panama back, uh, 90, 91, 92, uh, I went to the jungle. Basically, we were only supposed to be out there for a couple of days and we ended up being out there for 29 days. Uh, and they sent us out with like two days worth of food <laughs> and, and a, a one five gallon jug of water. Right. So needless to say, we got real hungry real quick. Um, when I came home, I decided I was never going to be hungry again. That's kind of the beginning days of me becoming a prepper. So it's been what, like 30 years ago now, uh, in the latter part of the nineties, uh, early turn of the century, I was getting involved in doing a lot of survival training of others. I'm, you know, uh, type of class I teach. I'm, I'm an instructor for wilderness, urban desert, jungle, um, mountain, hot weather, cold weather, you name it, any type of survival situation you can find yourself in. We've, we've taught classes on in over the last 20 years, um, <clears throat> around the, uh, I guess, Oh five, Oh six, Oh seven. Uh, we were doing a lot of gun shows, a lot of prepper shows, selling a lot of products. Um, and come to find out that most of the products that I was getting from, from others, you know, through distributors and selling to folks just wasn't the best that there was to have. Right. For example, MREs, you go to a gun show, most people are buying MREs at gun shows or prepper shows. They're, they're buying MREs that are already at the inspection date or close to it. So they're already two, you know, sometimes three years old, if not older. Uh, and people have this fallacy that this misconception that MREs last forever and they don't. MREs have a five to seven year shelf life. Uh, after that, even if they don't make you sick because they're they're still edible, you're you're not getting anything from that food. It's just empty calories at that point after the seven year mark. Uh, but still, we decided back then that we wanted to uh, have something different, uh, something new or fresher. We could sell people, you know, brand new MREs as opposed to you know two and three and four year old ones uh, at roughly the same price. So that's kind of how we got into the whole MRE gig and the freeze dried food. Um, yeah, I've been teaching preparedness for 20 plus years now all over the country at prepper shows and seminars. In fact, we just completed a prepper summit that we hosted in Springfield, Missouri, just a few weeks ago. Um, and, and bringing people up to date on the current situation globally, not just with food, but other things going on, food being the most prominent, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I've just been teaching that for, you know, over 20 years, 20 plus years. And in in order to to do that, you know, you can't just tell people what's going on in their own backyard. You you've got to you've got to tell them what's going on globally, so that they know what to expect it to happen in their own backyard, right? And in order to be able to tell people that, you got to kind of keep up with it. So, I spend about an hour and a half to two hours a day studying things uh, going on globally. Um, I have access to you know purchasing websites for the you know governments of the world, the United Nations, all that kind of fun stuff, uh, humanitarian 
uh, aid organizations, all of that, because we sell to them, right? So I mean, my job depends on me being able to track uh, what's going on globally with food situations and, and, you know, distribution and availability. And at the same time, I have to follow the current trends of what's being consumed and be able to project the trends of what's going to, you know, what the food industry is going to look like three, four, five months down the road. Cause you know, we sign a contract for say a, a million MREs a month for seven months. And I give somebody a price on that. I've got to make sure that I can even get that product five months from now. And I've got to make sure I can get it at a price five months from now. That's going to be profitable for me, you know, to, to sign that contract today. Right. So in doing all of that, we're, we're noticing some very disturbing things, but that's pretty much the, the medium version of where I am and, and where we're at. We, we operate three different websites, uh, all selling rations and survival products. And, and in that, in our industry, the, the ration industry in the United States, you know, we're, we're one of the leaders in that, you know, we're, we're cutting edge. We're always trying to come up with something that's healthier, uh, not loaded down with all of the preservatives that, that other companies are doing. And, and uh, it's just kind of fun. I have, I have a lot of fun with it and enjoy what I do. So that's, that's the medium version of the story. Yeah, that's great. So you, I mean, I understand this just because of all the products we have, like with knives, I, I need to know now, since it takes three to six months to make a knife, I need to, to know now what our pricing is going to be. And if it's going to be the same when, those products are delivered in three to six months. So, right. You're when you're dealing in the volume that you're dealing in, you really have to be tapped into the food industry, which is a commodity, even, even more volatile, especially now than things like steel, right? Oh, much more volatile now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's commodity just like steel and, and anything else they sell commodities on or futures on. Right. But yeah, right now the, the most, volatile disruptive thing going on globally it's not war it's not pestilence it's it's the impending famine we're we're in crisis mode in the food with our food situation globally and and again you know people go to the grocery store right and they they look at the shelves and they go well yeah there's some things that are missing and yeah i'm paying a little bit more but they're not really the average person doesn't track what they're spending on food every month you know so they can't they can't look at it in, in april and realize they're spending almost twice what they spent in december because they're not keeping up with that. You know, they just know it's more expensive. They're getting less for their money and there's some empty places on the shelves. But I mean, we're talking about things where, you know, United Nations issued a report just what I think it was Thursday of last week. It might've been Wednesday of last week uh, where they're projecting that 19.6 addition million additional people will die of starvation this year than what we normally have on yearly basis, which is like four point. 4.1 million or 4.3 million die every year from starvation. So we're looking at additional 19.1. So this year's starvation rate is what we would normally project for five years. We'll see just this year alone from the food crisis that's going on. And, and, you know, yeah, war plays a part of that. Obviously the war in Ukraine has caused some major disruption, but there's other things as well that play a part in that. This is, this has been a problem that has been brewing for three years now, even before the pandemic started, it's been brewing. And the pandemic just kind of pushed it over the edge. And now the war in Ukraine's just nailing the lid on the coffin. So you and I had done a podcast, and I think that was, we did it in video also as much as we could. And that was, 
that was I'm going to say that was like a year and a half ago. And you were talking about some key indicators that were leading us in this direction and things have not gotten any better. Um, I, I think you hit on a couple of really important, really, really important points. But for people who are listening, uh, the big idea and what I'm hearing you say, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of like challenge you on this a little bit that you believe that there's a potential famine uh, that is coming. Not sure if you mean a worldwide famine, a U.S. famine, uh, you know, other places. Here's what I do know. We we support a a, uh, school in Nairobi, Kenya, and the the headmaster there has become a really good friend of ours and very trustworthy, uh, godly man. And in his last communication with us, he talked about how um, the food is getting so bad there that even like just their essential, their essential needs for his countrymen are not being taken care of. So uh, if there's, if there's a buffer, we're certainly buffered in the United States because it seems like in some certain uh, more vulnerable cultures and countries that they are in the beginning phases of a potential famine. So, I agree with everything you've said, but take it a step farther. We're we're not we're not looking at a potential famine in the future. We are in a famine now. It's and it's a global famine, and yeah, it will hit home. It's already hit home, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I'm concerned about. When we talk about these things, there's been so much upheaval with with COVID. Mm-hmm. There's been, you know, so many geopolitical things, so many uh, things in the United States specifically, since that's where we are right now, that have that have been crises that I think we're actually experiencing what I would call crisis fatigue right now. Yes, and so <clears throat> the potential for our listeners and people out there would be to normalize what's not normal. Like this is not normal. Like we've been used to, uh, you know, just craziness happening all over the place. And now maybe we're getting used to some inflation, but this crisis fatigue and normalizing that can cause you to, to not hear what we're saying right now and not take some action steps now uh, to fix this. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, you know, back and and I tell people all the time, you know, when, when I talk to specifically preppers, when they're saying, well, Bob, you know, when, when are we going to see the end of the world as we know it? You know, what kind of event are we looking at? And I kind of laugh and look at them and tell them, guys, it's not when will we see it? It's, it's already happened. The question is, when will we feel it? Right. And <clears throat> when you when you look back, I mean, there's there's little things that have nothing to do with food, but there's little things that should make people stand up and kind of go, you know, there, there is, it, it has been, a, has been a progression. You know, you don't build a house by putting a roof on it to begin with. You have to, you have to pour the footers. You have to get your, your foundation going. Then you have to put in the floors and then the walls and so forth and so on until you finally get to the roof. Right. And there's been a progression over the last three years. And, and, and I say three, because it really started in, in end of spring, beginning of summer of 2019, long before we ever even heard of, coronavirus even though it, at that time as science has proven out now at that time we already had coronavirus globally that everybody was dealing with they just didn't know what it was called back then 
and it wasn't part of the pandemic, but these issues go all the way back to the the spring and, and summer of 2019. You know, when, <clears throat> when we talk about food crisis globally, the, the, the problem about with talking about global events is people have a hard time accepting that because they're, they're at home. They're not, they're not seeing what's going on in other countries. They're only seeing what's going on here, like I say, in their own backyard, right? But when you look at the progression of events over the last three years that, that took us from a free and democratic society even, right, to where we are now, where, you know, grocery stores have changed the way they do business. Food distributors have changed the way they do business. Um, hardware stores have changed the way they do business. Every, almost every industry has been impacted over the last three years because of, of these progression of events, right? So we get up every morning and we go, man, things just can't get any worse. And then they get worse. And, and then the next week we're going, oh, it can't get any worse than this. And it gets worse again. And, and by the time you go through that weekly, and, and if you think back on it for three years, it has been practically weekly. We've been dealing with these things, you know, when, when you deal with it that long, Things that would have at one point in time seemed catastrophic to you seem to be just minor little, oh, that's just the new normal, you know? So, yeah, I, I agree right. completely with right. you on that. Yeah. So let's let's go through some of these just current events you had started in, in 2018, 2019. Maybe you can step us through some current events, uh, you know, key indicators, uh, economic factors. I just... Before we get into that, I just saw an article online from a reputable source where the the writer was talking about how we have inflation on inflation. We, we not only have monetary inflation, but we have geopolitical events that have caused certain very important commodities to double you know, maybe double in price. Right. And so we've got inflation on, on inflation. And uh, anyway, just hearing that made a lot of sense to me. So it's, it's actually something that we may not be able to stop because if we do, then, you know, a huge recession or worse happens. So why don't you go ahead and step us through the current situation in a little bit more detail Give us some facts and figures that you know of on some of these key indicators. Sure. And uh, we'll just help our folks understand the basis of what, what you're saying. Okay, so the, the interesting thing about it, and I'm, I'm going to go back in time a little bit, right? So the problems we're dealing with today are the end result of events that took place before over 65% of, of the population of the world was even born right? This goes all the way back to the early seventies. Um, when, when we became the petrodollar, when we convinced, you know, Saudi Arabia and some other oil producing companies, uh, in the early days of the formation of OPEC, right? When we convinced them to only trade oil in the U S dollar, we became the petrodollar. And at that point in time, that set us <clears throat> not just apart, but far and above everybody else globally right because if everybody is trading every country needed oil and and so if every country's trading buying that oil with u.s dollars then that causes a need for all of these other countries to have u.s dollars which causes them to to have to buy stuff from us to get those dollars right at least that's how it worked in the beginning 
before we went into a full-blown, you know, debt-based economy globally, right? So in the early days of that, we were able to set prices with other countries on different commodities and, and different items that we import into the com- country <clears throat> that we agreed that we would only pay for those with U.S. dollars. And, and in so doing, it drove the price down and gave us an unfair advantage over the rest of the world, uh, which, you know, being a, a capitalist myself, I consider that to be the way it should be done, right? You, you always want if the, the person that gives the most in the deal wants to get the most. So anyway, uh, at the time that all of that happened, when when the world converted to a U.S. petrodollar and, and went off the pound sterling for trading in oil products, Great Britain went through a depression that was the worst that they had seen since the 1614 depression. <clears throat> in that, they, they, they saw between 17 and 19 suicides a day for like a year and a half. I mean, it, was, it was one of the worst times in, in the history of Great Britain as far as their, their economy went. And the direct result or the direct cause of that was the world went from using the pound sterling to buy everything to using the U.S. dollar to buy everything. And, and that, for us, created the, the golden age, right? We had the greatest generation that was cranking out stuff. They were manufacturing and inventing and, and designing and all this wonderful stuff. And the economy was booming, so we were able to do more and more of that, right? So here we are now, fast forward 50 years. And <clears throat> there's a number of things going on, but the biggest issue that we face right now here at home uh, in dealing with these various crises across multiple industries globally, the biggest crisis we face here at home is the fact that the U.S. dollar is no longer the the king currency that it was just five or six years ago. <clears throat> and all to understand why everything is happening globally, you kind of have to go back to 2013, right? So in 2013, China and Russia held a joint press conference in the spring of 2013 where they announced two things. The first thing that they announced was that they had signed a non-aggression mutual aid treaty with each other. Now, the, the reason this is so important, since China became communist in the 1950s, 1954, I think, is when the Chinese or when the Communist Party uh, pretty much won the, the Civil War, right? Um, but since China became communist in the 1950s, they have never signed an agreement with anybody saying that that they will always be there to support them if they're attacked, and they will always support them if they attack others, and they will not attack each other. And, and that one part is very key for us because you go back to the 80s with mutually assured destruction. Everybody has this this misbelief or this misunderstanding of what mutually assured destruction was. It it had nothing to do with the fact that we had so many missiles that if anybody bombed us, we would bomb them and everybody loses. That's not what it was about. Mutually assured destruction was an agreement between China, Russia, and the United States that if 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 one country bombed another, that country would retaliate against the other two. That's where the mutually assured destruction comes in. Meaning if Russia launched a nuclear war against us, we would retaliate by launching against both Russia and China. If China launched against Russia, Russia would retaliate by launching against both China and the United States. That was mutually assured destruction. And in 2013, that came to an end. And and there's a reason why I'm pointing that out. So I'll come back around to that. The second thing that they announced in that that big press conference, I believe this was like May May 12th or May 13th, something like that, May 14th, middle of May of 2013. The second thing that they announced was that 
that Russia was on track to become the dominant global military superpower by 2025. And China announced that they were on track to become the dominant economic superpower by the end of 2025. And the two of them needed each other in order to fulfill this on, on both parts, right? <clears throat> so the reason why in, in 2013, we were able to predict that in the coming months, there would be a civil war in, in crime, the Crimean section of, uh, or sector region, whatever you want to call it, of Ukraine. Uh, and that shortly after, uh, after that, the Russian-backed separatists would win that civil war and gain their independence. And then shortly after that, Crimea would return to Russia. The reason we were able to predict all of those things is because in the former glory days of the Soviet Union, uh, the only naval base that they had that was accessible 365 days a year was in Crimea. So you can't have a you can't be a, the prominent global military superpower if you don't have a global military presence and you can't have a global military presence if you don't have a global naval presence and you can't have a global naval presence if you don't have a base that you can park your ships in and have access in and out of 365 days a year. So it just made sense that when they said they were going to become, when Russia said they were going to become the prominent um, military superpower <clears throat> globally, that they had to have a naval base that could do that. And, and the the easiest course of action and the wisest choice was for them to, to bring Crimea back into the Russian fold, right? Now, since then, <clears throat> we see that Russia has naval bases, two in Syria, one in Venezuela, um, and, and a couple on this throughout the world. So th they now have seven naval bases globally that are accessible, 365. And the one that we should be the most concerned about is the one in Venezuela. And, and we can come back around and talk about that here shortly, because all of this plays into what's currently going on now. Right. Um, China then expanded their naval presence and, and began reestablishing the Silk Road, basically. Right. At the same time that all of this was going on. Russia, China, India, Brazil, and South Africa all formed the BRICS nation, right? The, the BRICS bank, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. <clears throat> the reason why that's so important to what we're dealing with today is that there were a number of, of factors going on. First, those five countries represent half the global population. And then people go, oh, well, yeah, but you know, there's, there's over a hundred different countries and there's, there, you're only talking about five of them, but yeah, that those five are half the global population more importantly in those five we have over half of the uh actually over 70 percent now of the the global manufacturing or at least the base manufacturing needed by the rest of the world for global manufacturing so <clears throat> when all of this began they formed the BRICS nation or the BRICS banks uh, the Russia started exerting its dominance militarily worldwide, and and now people today are going, well, yeah, but in the Ukraine, you know, they're they're getting they're getting, you know, knocked around and beat around and stopped at every turn. But they're also using their surplus in the Ukraine. When you when you look at the tanks that are being you know captured in the Ukraine, those are T seventy twos. Russia, the Soviet Union, got rid of their T seventy twos and took them out of out of action in, in uh, 1985. And in fact, during desert storm in 1990, the main battle tank that the Iraqi military was using was the former Soviet T-72 tanks. And, and those are the tanks that are now being captured in the Ukraine. So Russia's not yet deployed their, their true might in the Ukraine. And, and 
people are looking at it going, well, yeah, if we didn't known that Russia was this week in the eighties, you know, we would have never come out with the movie Red Dawn, but that's, that's all part of the plan. Right. So yeah, that's, that's really, that's actually really interesting because I know we've all thought that like, what's going on? Maybe they're not as strong, but I'm like, they're, they're not throwing their full might here. They have, and I'm going to be curious to hear to hear why. <laughs> to, I'm, well, like, I, I'm, I'm dying to ask you that question. Why? <laughs> yeah, and, and there's there's so many so many reasons for that, right? I mean, l- l- let's face it, right? If if we were going to go to, but war, I don't want to get you off off track here. Either, yeah, so. yeah, we we don't yeah. want to do that because that's that's a whole nother podcast. But okay, yeah. So the the reason all of that is important now, right? is that nine years ago, Russia and China both tried, they, they began the steps to separate themselves from the, the global dominance that the U.S. dollar had. I'm not saying that the U.S. had, I'm saying that the U.S. dollar had, right? And, and it has been catastrophic for us for years now, and, and certain things has kind of brought all of that to the forefront, like the pandemic and now the war in Ukraine. <clears throat> and the war in Ukraine... It, it doesn't matter whether you support the Ukrainians in this war or whether you support the Russians in this war. It's, it's all irrelevant. It doesn't matter who you think the bad guy is. And, and I guarantee you, if you and I ever had a conversation about that, you would you would be shocked at my answers because you and I know each other so well. But <clears throat> what is going on in Ukraine is catastrophic to the world. And whether the fighting there causes whether the, the fighting within the Ukraine extends out to other countries or not is irrelevant. Ukraine is the epicenter for the, the complete and total collapse of the global economy. A hundred percent. And <clears throat> the reason I say that is because what is taking place in Ukraine now, what, what's been taking place since February has had far reaching implications to every industry that there is in the world, right? For example, there was a nice little report in uh, U.S. News and World Report. This dated, I want to say it was like the 11th of March. It might have been like 12th of March, something like that. But I'll never forget the headlines read something along the lines of war in Ukraine, you know, is is hurting the poor countries and, and causing famine, right? Or something along those lines. It's around the middle of March. I could pull it up here on my computer here in a minute if I need to. But people don't understand how important Ukraine is to everything, right? So Russia wants to recapture Ukraine because they don't want Ukraine joining NATO, because they don't want the U.S. putting missiles in Ukraine in, on Russia's own backyard. And, and I don't blame them. We got just as upset about it when they were in Cuba. But more importantly, imagine if, if Russia decided, uh, or if Mexico decided to join Russia, and, and then they put missiles along the Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California border with with Mexico. It's the same thing that we would be doing if the Ukraine joined NATO, right? So so Russia's got a plethora of reasons for invading Ukraine, but that's the primary one. But in anticipation of that, in February, <clears throat> Russia cut off the the export of uh, ammonium nitrate and for those of you listeners that don't understand how key that is for us, over 78%, it's like 78.7 or 78.6% of all the ammonium nitrate that we import into the United States comes from Russia. Okay. And ammonium nitrate's the key ingredient in fertilizer. 
And Russia cut off the export of this three weeks before the the largest production time uh, for our fertilizing companies because they go into their biggest production time three weeks before the largest purchasing in our country of fertilizer. So basically, long story short, this year, you know, our fertilizer production is down by over 85% because we didn't have any ammonium nitrate to be able to do what we needed to do as far as manufacturing that fertilizer. So as a result, when you look at what our, our own farmers here at home have been doing, over 50% of our, our farmers in the, the wheat, uh, soybean, uh, and corn crops this year, they didn't even plant their crops. And, and why would they? If, if they make a 30% profit off of, off of their crop yield every year, and they're only going to get half their crop yield that they would normally get because they didn't have any fertilizer to put on their, their crops, then they, it, they would be setting themselves up for losing money. So better to not plant and have a complete loss for a year or, or no income for a year than to lose so much money that you're actually paying to work for the year, right? So the biggest thing that people need to realize right now is that over half of our crops didn't even get planted this year. And that's that's huge. It's huge because over the last two years, we've had to open up the national reserves on many of these foodstuffs to get them into the market to supplement the losses that we had from the pandemic from them not being able to get stuff to the grocery stores and to the distributors. So that was the first issue we had in February. <clears throat> the second issue that, that took place in February is that Russia invaded Ukraine, which I'm sure everybody knows about. What they probably don't realize is that between Russia and Ukraine, they're responsible for 27.872% of the global uh, wheat distribution. In fact, there are countries like Egypt that gets over 80% of its wheat from the Ukraine. Indonesia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Lebanon, all 100% of their wheat comes from the Ukraine. Syria, Jordan, uh, they're at like 75 to 80% of their, their wheat comes from Ukraine. So you're looking at all these countries that, that, that are already violent hotspots to begin with, and now they're not going to have any wheat coming in this year. They're not going to have any corn coming in from the United States. They're not going to have any rice coming in from, from um, the Philippines because China bought all of the Philippines' rice production for four years, and they made that contract last year. So last year, this year, and the next two years, all of the rice that's, that's grown in the Philippines is going to China. And the reason why people here in the States should really wake up to that one is because over 38% of our rice comes from the Philippines, <clears throat> right? So China, two years ago, began this process where they started buying up, actually two and a half years ago, right before the pandemic, where they started buying up all of the food reserves from different countries around the world. 2020 hits, we have a global shutdown basically because of the, the pandemic. Come float around to 2021, you have all of these countries that are literally on the brink of bankruptcy. And China comes in and says, Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna buy all of your reserve foodstuffs and and put that money into your economy so that your economy doesn't suffer this year. And don't worry, you can replace them next year. And then now we roll around to the next year, which is 2022, and there's nothing to replace them with. I often joke and ask people, how is a how is a fight between two people at a farmer's market in some village in northern Africa going to bring about the end of the global economy? And it's very simple. When people start fighting and riding over food or lack thereof, things become a problem. 
the biggest indicator that people should have woke up to was in January. When the Biden administration in January announced that by the by this summer we would be experiencing food shortages on a level that would bring about a food crisis right in our country. That announcement was made in January. In fact, it was like the around the 22nd, 21st, 22nd, 23rd of January. So in January, our government's telling us to expect a food shortage. Now, we all know that when the government tells us a problem exists, that it's because there's no way that they can avoid telling us anymore. The problems reach such tremendous proportions that there's no way to keep the American people from noticing that. And a lot of a lot of people in our country find fault with the government keeping secrets from us. And, and to be honest with you, as a as a father, I don't. You know, I mean, why would they tell us of every little problem that exists that could cause bigger problems when they're working on getting it resolved? Right? You, you don't you don't lose your job and then go home and tell your kids, "Hey, kids, I lost my job, and four months from now we're going to get foreclosed on and kicked out of our house." you go home and you act like everything's fine and you tell them everything's fine. And then for the next three months until that foreclosure hits, you're doing everything you can to find a new job and make, make the money to keep from having your house foreclosed on. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just nine 99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market. Yeah. So are you saying that, uh, yeah, sorry for interrupting you. Are you saying that the government made the announcement in January? That's correct. That it's far worse than anything that they actually said. Correct. Well, well, think about it. When, when are you going to tell your kids that you've lost your, your job and you're losing your house and the bank is going to foreclose and you have to move? Are you going to tell them that four months before the, the deadline when you first lose your job? Or are you going to tell them that the day before the moving trucks show up? You're going to tell them the day before the moving trucks show up because you don't want your kids worrying about it. You're going to do everything that you can do to keep your kids from worrying about it. And when the government's facing a major problem that could bring about complete collapses in multiple industries, they're not going to tell us about it in the beginning days because that would just create a bigger problem. They're, they're going to wait until there's no alternative for them than to tell us. And the scary part about it is for me is that they told us this in January. Right. But yet the two things that we know of that have happened that would cause a global food crisis, Russia not exporting ammonium nitrate when they're they're the number one global manufacturer of ammonium nitrate. They, they export over 70 percent of the global of the ammonium nitrate that the hits the, the, the global uh, fertilizer community. Right. That didn't happen until the second. Well, this of didn't February. happen until February. Exactly. <laughs> right. Another right. Right. Another thing that would cause uh, a food crisis is when the two countries that that are responsible for over twenty seven percent of the global wheat go to war with each other and don't plant a crop, which didn't happen until the middle of February. So we have two events that took place in February that either of those two events would cause a global food crisis and have caused a global food crisis. But yet in January, our government told us to expect a, a food crisis this summer. <clears throat> and that it, it's all tied into everything else that we're dealing with. It's tied into the, the truckers striking at the Canadian border. It's tied into the higher 
uh, fuel costs. You know, let me give you an example on, on our website. Let's say I had a product. Let's say I had one of those cheap little ferro rods, which we don't sell on our website, right? Because they're cheap little ferro rods. But we used to buy those to put those into our bigger kits so that people would have a backup to a backup to a backup, right? And there was a time when those cost me, uh, they were right at 50 cents a piece. Um, and they averaged about 11 cents a piece in, in shipping. So my landing cost was 61 cents, right? And when I say there was a time, I'm talking December of 2021, I'm talking a little over four months ago, my landing cost 61 cents. So if I was going to put those on the website, I'd sell those for between a dollar to a dollar 25. You know, you stand at 30 to 50% markup, right? So let's say I sold that product for a dollar. I had 61 cents in it. Now, all of a sudden, the the cost of getting those into the United States goes up 50%, which is what happened, what we saw happening in, happened. in October, September, yep. October of last year with all of the shipping containers getting bogged down at our ports, right? So now all of a sudden that product just to get into the country costs my distributor 61 cents. Well, he's going to sell it to me for a dollar now, right? Which means I'm going to be paying a dollar 10 landed. So now in order to sell it for a profit, I'm selling it for between a dollar 75 and $2. And then you add on to that, that I'm charging 50 cents shipping for that, right? Because the post office charged me 50 cents shipping. So now a product that I used to be able to ship to you for a dollar 25 now costs $2 and 50 cents landed for you <clears throat> then you just start compounding it from there every for every dollar we see in the national average of diesel food our food cost doubles and i can prove that to you on december 27th we, we have staples in our country company that we buy every month right we buy white rice we buy brown rice we buy um, red beans for for our our refried beans and, and all of that pinto beans we buy black beans so black beans in December, up through the end of December, I, I ordered all of our black beans, half a pallet at a time. I would half a pile of black beans, and half a pallet of uh, red beans. And the packages <clears throat> that they came in, they, you know, just X amount of packages per case. I think it was 16 packages per case back then. And there was uh, a total of 48 cases per pallet. So I'd get 24 red beans and 24 black beans, right? So the black beans, the packages, the individual packages used to cost me $5.11. That was in December 27th. Um, I ordered again in January and paid like $5.65, something like that. Not a big increase. And they told me that we would see a, an increase of about 10 to 15%. And it was right in line with that. It was about, about 11, 11.5%. In February, I paid uh, $6.92 per bag. In March, I paid $7.88 per bag. And in April, I paid um, I paid $9.91 per bag. And I placed an order yesterday for one or for two cases instead of 24. And my cost per bag was uh, $10.73. So the, co the cost of our black beans has doubled in four months. And I'd, I'd like to say, well, that's just the black beans. You know, maybe maybe the country that that particular company gets their black beans from had a horrible winter and blah, 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 blah. But no, it's my red beans have doubled in four months. My white rice has doubled in four months. Our The, wow. the seasoning blend that we get for our chili has doubled in four months. <clears throat> it now costs me more to make a single meal ration today. Costs me more today to make it than what I was selling them for 
at Christmas time. That's crazy. Well, it, it it's all tied in together. It's the higher food costs. It's the, mm-hmm. the pandemic shutdown. It's our country. We're no longer making anything and, and we can't make anything because there's so many different, there's so many different links in the chain. You know, when, when one link in your chain weakens, you've got a problem, right? When two links in your chain weaken, you've got a bigger problem. But when you have 65 links total in your chain and 40 of them are broken in half, you're out of business. And that's what's right. going on globally with every single industry. It's tied into the gas prices, tied into the food shipping. It's tied. Well, look, look at China, you know, the, the second largest it's that, port. It's that whole concept of. It's that whole concept of inflation on inflation. Exactly. Like it's a multi, it's a multiplying factor at this point. Right. The The second largest port in China has been shut down now for five weeks due to coronavirus again. There's over 700 ships waiting to make port in that or, or to dock in that port. Over 700 ships of products that are sitting there and, and those products go into China and get turned into other products that the rest of the world needs for their manufacturing. It's 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 a problem that compounds a problem that compounds a problem, and and our way of getting out of it is to spend more money. It's it's insane. The reason the Federal Reserve's raising rates right now is because they've printed so much money that they can't print any more to to get our way out of this, and our government won't stop buying its way out of it. So the Fed has to raise the interest rate in order to subsidize the government spending because they're trying to buy their way out of a problem. You know, it's it's. It's it's like using gasoline to put out a house fire. It's just not going to do you any good. So Which, when they raise rates, that 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 raises the national debt too, because our our repayment rate goes up also. Correct. Now, if you take all of that and set it off to the side for a second, and look at some other problems that are going on globally, okay. Remember, BRICS: Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. India, who's an ally to the United States. India, who's an, who's an enemy of Pakistan. Pakistan is an enemy of the United States. India and Pakistan are both nuclear powers. And Pakistan gets 100% of its wheat from the Ukraine. And they're not going to get any wheat from the Ukraine this year. So they're going to be relying heavily on the BRICS nations in order to be able to get funding to buy on their foodstuffs. On their foodstuffs that are being sold to them by China, who's a BRICS nation, it's all tied in together. But when that money is controlled in India for what gets allocated to to different countries for grants to the BRICS nations, it's it's like the IMF is controlled by the United States, right? The the BRICS bank is controlled by India and China because they're the two main manufacturers within the the BRICS nations. So when, when... Pakistan wants to borrow money from the BRICS bank in order to be able to buy foodstuffs from China and India says no. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen at that point? India and Pakistan been at war with each other for decades now, ever since the the British Empire pulled out of, of that part of the world at the end of World War II. India and, and, and Pakistan have been bitter enemies with fighting going on, basically fighting outbreaking every year going back 80 years now. And right. you got people that are rioting in, in Pakistan already today because of the food crisis there. That's that's a whole issue that's boiling over. And all of this is tied together. You know, when you look at what's going on in, in India right now, are you, are you aware of the fact that 
The first quarter of 2022 in India, they had over 180,000 people die of starvation hmm. in India. And as that grows, right, as that compounds upon itself, you got to start looking at all of the issues that that's going to relate to. We, and we're not even hearing about that over here. Oh, I know. I know. What, okay, here's yeah. one for you. Over 90% of our medications, of our, of our name brand medications are manufactured in China. Everybody knows that, right? But what most people don't realize is that over 85% of all of our generic medications are manufactured in India. And India stopped shipping uh, pharmaceuticals out of their country four months ago. And they had stopped it, uh, let's see, it was uh, August of 20, they had stopped and they didn't start it back up again until February of 21. So you look at what was going on with our generic uh, pharmaceuticals here in the country starting in, let's see, so in three months, let's call that October, November of 2020, running through, say, June of 21. If you look at what we were paying for our generic medications, it was triple then. And now they're back at it. The, the supply that we have here in the United States has already been used up to the point where now supply has dropped drastically below demand and demand's causing the price to go up. And that's only because India said, okay, we're not going to export any more pharmaceuticals because they're dealing with another crisis there. So it's all, everything is all tied together. But if you really want the best gauge, every time the, the, the diesel fuel increases $1 on the national average, your food at your grocery store is going to double because everybody's paying more along the way. So when you, when you look at, at fuel costs rising, causing on their costs to rise, right, the, the federal government already told us in February that we can expect by the end of August, we can expect diesel fuel to hit $7 a gallon national average. But when it rose from $3 to $4, our food doubled. That was February, March. When it rose again to $5 national average, all of our food doubled again. And then last month we had over, I think it hit like $5.68 national average. So it's almost to $6 a gallon now national average. So sometime in the next month, you can expect your food cost to double again. So that box of cereal you used to pay $2 for that you're now paying uh, or that you paid $4 for in February, $2 for in December, that you're now paying $5.85 for in in May, by the end of June, is going to cost you almost $8. When we start paying $8, $9 a gallon for milk, when we're paying $10 a loaf for bread, when we're paying $8 a, a box of cereal, when we're paying 3 to $4 for a single can of soup, that's when people are going to realize there's a major problem here in the country. And I'm flat out telling you, we're going to see all of that within the next four to five weeks because we're already there. So when when gas goes up again sometime in, in the end of June, beginning of July, what that's going to result in is by the end of August, we'll see another doubling of our food costs. Wow. So that's where we're at. I mean, people should have <laughs> people should have started oh, doing man. things. Yeah two, three years ago to get ready for this. And, they should have been listening to us then, huh? Yeah, well, we've been talking about it since. And if, if you remember the, the right. first time you had me on the podcast, back in, what was it, March of 19, right? I we think were, it we was, were, yeah. Yeah, right. we, were, we were talking about the war between Venezuela and Colombia and how that would overflow into, into catastrophic events for us here at home. And, and the end result of that was China and Venezuela got to, or China and Russia got to build ba naval bases in Venezuela. And now we, for the last three years, we've had Chinese and Russian uh, fighter jets and bomber jets running patrols in the Gulf of Mexico. 
it's taken, we've got an entire carrier group deployed to the Gulf of Mexico with an additional five destroyers just to be able to keep track of what Russia and China are doing in the Gulf. And all of that was a direct result of that back then. It, we, we told people then that in three years, we're going to start seeing major problems with our, with our food, uh, global food supply. And within five years, it would be devastated. Well, the problem is the the pandemic popped up and shut everything down for months and months and months on end and nothing was being manufactured globally. And then people went into panic mode and started buying stuff that they didn't need instead of, uh, you know, holding their money and investing into things that would make them more self-sufficient. But we've been talking about this since 2018, mm-hmm. 2019. Bob, I was listening to you oh, <laughs> just, just in case nobody else was. <laughs> I'm Fraser Crane and I heard you. Yeah, it's <laughs> and I'm still and I'm still working on it. I'm still listening. Right. So yeah, so it's a lot worse than we thought. And I, you know, I think we have such a microwave culture that when we were talking in 2019, people were like, "Oh, you know, well, we went through a pandemic, and yeah, that caused food shortages and things not to be on the shelves that we were used to." And we're kind of recovered now, so things aren't aren't so bad, right? We're not at least not here. We're not yet seeing bare grocery shelves, but what you're saying is uh, we may have supplies, but we're seeing higher prices, but th- those prices could double or triple in the next couple of months. How how are you not seeing empty grocery shelves? Are you seeing like completely <laughs> guess, empty? <laughs> well, I live in a rural area too, so <laughs> I don't. Are you seeing? Are you seeing bare grocery shelves? Maybe oh, it, I need to get out more. It, it's worse, right? So, up until about six, seven months ago, you could go into a Sam's wholesale. Uh, let's take Campbell's Soup for example, right? They would have you know three little sections there that contain six different types of soup, and and now you go in and there's one section that contains one type of soup that you can buy in bulk, right? Um, and that's just one example. You, know, you used to go into a Sam's wholesale and there would be, or a Costco and there would be, you know, 20 different types of pasta that you could buy in bulk. And now you're walking in and there's three types of pasta you can buy in bulk. The, the, okay. The, so here's what I have noticed. I have noticed now that you're mentioning this, I have noticed, you know, how in the grocery grocery store you used to, you know, if there was a bent can, you would go back maybe three rows and find one that wasn't bent or, some right. labels that were falling off of products or whatever. What I'm noticing now is instead of being your canned goods or your other products being, you know, two or three or five rows deep, they're one or two rows deep. That's right. So things are being spread out more. I have noticed that. And I didn't, I didn't equate that with, with the, uh, you know, sh- food and on the grocery store shelves being less until you just mentioned it. Right. Well, but I do live in a smaller area too. So we've got a lot, um, we've got a lot less pressure on the commodities too. So, so the, the big thing that I noticed going in the grocery stores is that the brand names have changed, right? There's the bigger grocery store chains are now carrying brands that, you know, a year ago, they wouldn't have even considered putting in their stores because they're just trying to get whatever mm-hmm. they can get right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, mm-hmm. we use a, we used to use a chili starter mix for our, for our chili that I use that same mix for four years and I haven't even been able to buy it since gosh, October. Let's see. It was October. I put in a, an order for 24 cases 
And finally, the end of January, beginning of February, I gave up the ghost on ever getting that. And and back in December, I had to convert to a different uh, starter blend for a chili, different spice seasoning blend, right? Which has a slightly different taste. I actually prefer it now. But when you when you look at the availability of products, you know, like you might walk in a grocery store and there's, you know, there's a whole section or a whole compartment there of of two percent milk, and you're like, oh, there's no milk shortage, but when you look closely, you realize, wait, I've never seen that brand before. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a lot of companies that over the last five, six months, a lot of your, your big grocery distributors in the country have been purchasing from companies that they would have never purchased from before, because those are the only companies that are left with any kind of inventory. And it's across Mm -hmm. the board and everything, your chocolate chips. You know, I I went into Kroger the other day, they had no Nestle or Tojas chocolate chips. All they had was some weird, you know, off brand, some weird off generic brand. So I, I bought what I could because my wife wanted me to bring home chocolate chips to make me cookies. And I like it when she makes chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we were going to get back the chocolate somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, e- even then, you know, Her- Hershey's now, they there, there was some big announcement back in February. And, and I'm sure I could go through and find that that little announcement somewhere about the way that Hershey's chocolate, the the taste of Hershey's chocolate has changed, and it changed because for the first mm. time since, gosh, 19, 1939, they they had to change the recipe because there's stuff that that even they're having a hard time getting in in large quantities. So they had to modify the recipe. I, I think it was Hershey's. It might have been Mar, uh, Mars brand, but anyhow, whichever one it was, they had to change their their recipe slightly to to accommodate for a different. A component because the one component they can no longer get anymore you know it, it, well you're making me feel good about the bulk purchase we made of skittles yesterday because if <laughs> if people don't know one of the surprises they get in with their msk1 knife is a uh, a pouch of skittles so they can enjoy those while they're enjoying unpacking their knife nice. um, but but gabe who runs our warehouse yesterday said he ordered some and i'm like ah he he said Last week, the big, the cases weren't available. So he had to buy a hundred, you know, little cases of a hundred. And so I saw they were, there were a couple available and I said, buy them, just buy them. <laughs> so I, and that was, I wasn't even thinking about this. I was, you know, I, I was thinking about this because I'm used to this now because we offer, I don't know how many products we have between everything. I mean, we might have 50, 60 products now. So, you know, we're like you. We're having to look and say, hey, is this even going to be available? You got me concerned about our ferro ruts now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> From you, what you said, be- you know, before. Yeah, if you're yeah. buying, if you're going through a lot of ferro rods a month. In fact, we used to, so I used, there's three different sizes I buy. One's like the eighth of an inch, <laughs> and uh, one was three-eighths of an inch, and one was just shy of a half inch. Right. It was like, like, like yep. a, a millimeter shy of a half inch, right? And I used to buy those, you know, a couple hundred at a time, and and we go through a couple hundred a month. Um, three weeks ago, I placed an order for eight hundred of the ones that are just shy of a half inch, the eighth of an inch. I bought uh, nine hundred of those, and the three eighths of an inch by three inch long, which is our most prominent one. I bought two thousand of those because yeah. I don't I don't know when I'm going to be able to get them in in quantities like that anymore, and definitely not at that price. Yep. So, so yeah, any anything we... that you that your company depends on. See, we're very fortunate because we ninety percent of what we make, we or of what we sell, we manufacture, right? 
Yep. So, so I, I'm very fortunate there, you know, like in our rations, if I can't get the three main snack mixes, we always use, well, I just pivot and do three more and then, Hey, guess what guys, we got all new snacks and <laughs> you know, it's, yep. you, we're, we're able to pivot whereas most companies can't. So we're very fortunate. In that so, realm. you know, I just wanted to mention real quick too, we have shrinkflation. I noticed, <laughs> I noticed the bags of coffee have gone from 16 ounces to 14 to 12 to 10. And I think I saw a, a little pack. It was like, Oh, this is a pretty good price. And I looked at it man, and it was like eight, eight ounces now. Yeah. So we've got that going on too. Oh, um, l- the biggest, l- biggest thing I've, yeah. Well, go I was ahead. just going to say, let, let me say this on, along that same line, our cheesecake mix, right? In, in December, I was buying that. It came eight bags to a case and a case cost me uh, $68 and 11 cents. And in February, that same case cost me $93, but they cut from eight bags to six bags. So I'm paying, you know, 50% more for the case, but getting 25% less. And now this month, March, I, I ordered them yesterday. I paid a hundred and twenty nine dollars and seventy three cents a case, and I'm only getting six bags. And the bag that we get today in that case, where we get six of them, is the same weight, same amount of product that we got in December in eight bags. So we're now paying twice as much for our cheesecake mix, and we're we're getting twenty five percent less. Yeah, right. Along those so lines. just a little side note here. I want to I want to get into some most probable incomes, and I'm not here to freak people out. If you follow this podcast at all, we are not about that. We're about being proactive and not reactive. That's right. So I, I wanted to bring Bob on to to just kind of shock our systems to let us know that hey, stuff's going on. There's still a little bit of time left. I mean, if prices have doubled, uh, you know what Bob's saying as far as his key indicators is they're going to double you know, maybe triple. So um, one thing I do want to just side note here as kind of a humorous thing. If you have not tried any of Bob's survival rations, he is, he's like, he's like the gourmet of survival rations. So you can expect things that you would never, ever get in any other kind of ration. And we'll talk about that a little bit towards the end. Um, But you are a food innovator. (laughs) And trust me, if when I, I've got multiple tiers of, of uh, supplies in every category here, and uh, I do, I think it was last year, I think it was last year I got a, refreshed my, my MREs and, and some of my other rations from you, so that's, that's awesome. Hey, why don't we talk about some most probable incomes? We've, you've kind of hinted at that. Um, maybe, maybe just hunker down here. Let's take a minute or two, talk about probable outcomes with all the stuff that's going on. Oh, um, okay. Well, I mean, it's it's over. That's that's your most probable <laughs> outcome. <laughs> no, okay. Look, seriously, I'm for over. I mean, I'm laughing, but so tell me what you mean by like it's over. Okay, so for over twenty years, so, I've been teaching. So we, we've got John and Susie here. They're they've just they saw COVID going on. They they got some extra food and peanut butter and stuff, but that's all gone now. Right, and they're listening for the first time because. Some of their friends said, "Hey, you need to listen to this podcast because they're not, you know, they're gonna they're gonna tell you the way it really is and, and help you out." And uh, Creek Stort and I just got done talking about the d- disaster ready home. We spent actually four podcasts helping people start from from zero, 
and uh, get up to building a, a sizable food buffer in a short period of time for not expensive. So, you know, you said it's all over. What do you mean by that, Bob? Okay. <clears throat> all right. So I've been teaching preparedness now for over 20 years. Be nice to us. I, I am. Be nice, but be, be truthful. <laughs> I am. And, and in all of that time, I've always ended every one of my talks, every one of my seminars, you name it, my classes, whatever. I always ended them with eyes open, no fear. There's always hope if you have a plan, right? So your first step in getting prepared is to formulate a plan. And, and I've, been, <clears throat> I've been preaching that now for over 20 years. The, the problem is that 99.99% of the people that are getting prepared in this country that have been getting prepared over the last 20, 30, 40 years, they all have this belief that there's going to be some, you know, bang, here's your event. You know, and and you know, you wake up one morning and boom, the dollar collapsed. Oh, it's an economic collapse. We we you know the end is here, but it's not. It's it it's it's a slow and steady drip. You know, it's it's not a broken pipe in your attic that floods your house. It's you didn't turn the faucet completely off on the bathtub on the third floor, and you went out of town for five months. Then you come home to a flooded house, right? It's a slow and steady drip. <clears throat> and that's been building for years and years. Like I said, I mean, it technically it goes all the way back to 1973, but the, the most current issue can go back is to, to 2013, 2014, you know, and preppers like to bring in politics into it. It doesn't matter who the president is. It, it really doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it has to do with what is going on globally and how the people in, in power in our country react to it. If you go back to March of 2020, I was at a prepper show in um, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and there was a reporter there that was an independent reporter, but his piece ended up getting published in the Wall Street Journal, I want to say in August of 21. And it was about that prepper show. And and he quoted several things I said in that show. And one of the, one of the key things I said in that show was that during that seminar is that <clears throat> the pandemic itself was not going to be what brings about the end for us. It will be the way that, that the people react to the pandemic, specifically the government, the way that the government reacts to the pandemic that will bring about the end for us. The, the end of the world as we know it has already happened. And, and we're almost three years into that. Now it, it started in March of 19 and, and here we are in, in uh, May of 22, so we're we're over three years into it. It's a series of events that compound upon each other. There, if if you you look at a at a food shortage, you look at a distribution issue, you look at fuel costs, you look at at uh, the issues we're having in the job market, right? With with finding people to do the job, any one of those four things that they happen is an economic indicator that we're, we're moving toward a recession. If two of those happen, we're in a recession. If three of them happen, we're moving toward a depression. If four of them happen, we're in a depression. The, the people here in the United States, we, we have yet to wake up to the fact that we've been in a depression now economically for almost 11 months. The time to get prepared is long past. Now you you do what you can do. Proper planning prevents poor results, right? There's actually something else you're supposed to say in there, but I won't say it on the podcast. But if you have a plan and you work that plan, then you can survive. The, the good news that I try to give to everybody is that if you look at every bad thing you have ever gone through in your life, 
you have survived each one of them. Your track record for survival is 100%. Now what you have to do is you have to look at what's going on globally. You have to place that in the context of how that impacts you here at home. You know, why, why, why is, is, are we, is our inflation going so high? Well, our government spending is out of control, and globally they've lost respect for the U.S. dollar. Why are we facing a depression now? Why are we in a depression now? Because the world has been in a global depression for almost two years. And it, it, it took another year for the U.S. to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Why are we having problems going to Home Depot and buying the window that we want for our house that we're trying to remodel? Well, because the, the little jams that go in that are manufactured in Shenzhen, China, and that factory shut down in March of 2020, and when it reo- or, or January of 2020, and when it reopened in March, it was making PPE, and it's still making PPE today. Every little thing has impact somewhere. We're moving into the summer of violence. Five years from now, if the world is still whole, historians will look back on, on 2022 and refer to this as the year of violence and death. Because we will have food riots, we will have economic riots, we will have control riots in half the countries in the world by the end of of July. People are starving because they can't get any food because there's no food for them to get. Here in this country, we're, we're very fortunate in the fact that we've never had to deal with that before on a national level, but now we are. The end of the world as we know it took place 38 months ago. We're just now starting to to deal with the repercussions of that. We're just now starting to realize, hey, maybe maybe things are worse than they are, maybe or than they seem, right? Maybe things are worse than they seem because we're we're looking around going, well, you know, why can't we buy this? Why can't we do this? How how bad do you think it's going to be come June as far as unemployment goes? Let's let's take that into account. Let's let's look at the number of people in the restaurant, the bar, the hotel, the travel industry that's going to be out of a job by the end of June, beginning of July because people can't afford to travel this year, and they can't afford to travel for well, two not reasons. Not only that, I I saw a I saw a recent article that said that there are several restaurant chains that are considering shutting down because they simply can't get food exactly for their restaurant exactly well look at look at the big chain uh, grocery stores i i predict that by the end of august kroger will have shut down over 30 percent of their stores yet they'll keep all of their employees they'll they'll close the stores not because of bad sales they'll close the stores because they can't get enough food into the kroger distribution facilities to keep all of those stores full of food so they'll close one out of three stores. They'll close in, in every city. They'll close the store that has the lowest sales out of every, out of every three stores in that city. Right. And then they'll migrate those employees to other stores because those other employees are going to be needed at other stores to, to keep the, the panic and, and the, the issues going on at, at bay. Theft is about to skyrocket. You know, every time unemployment raises 1%, it's something like 48,000 people end up dying, but more importantly, well, I shouldn't say more importantly, because that's 48,000 people dying is not something to just kind of shrug off. But every time unemployment goes up 1%, violent crime increases by 2.5%. Domestic violence increases by 1.7%. Every time unemployment goes up 1%. And right now what we're looking at is not just an issue. Everybody goes, well, we, we should have low unemployment right now because everybody's hiring, but yeah, they're not really hiring. It's it's a justification. It's an excuse. 
There's plenty of people willing to work. There's just no work for them. And then there's a whole bunch of people that want to have a job, but they can't afford to take a job at company ABC because it doesn't pay enough for them to be able to pay their bills. So all of these problems, it seem like isolated little issues everywhere. They're, they're all interconnected a hundred percent. And each one of them has repercussions on the others. So I look, look at Greece, right? Not the country, but the actual product. And back in uh, October, the largest manufacturer of Greece products in the country, actually in, in the Americas, both North, South or North, South and Central America combined, the largest manufacturer of Greece products, they, they had a, they had a fire where the total loss of the plant, over a hundred fire departments responded to that one fire. And it still took them over two weeks to put the flames out. But that factory is responsible for over 90% of the grease that we see on the market here in the United States. And the average, the average stores have a two month supply. The average distributors have a two month supply. So it was around February that we started seeing the shortages as a reproduct as a repercussion of that, that plant burning down. Right. Well, why is that a problem? Because in every factory in the country, you have equipment that relies on grease to keep running properly and to keep functioning properly. So now we have factories all across the country that are starting to shut down because they can't properly lubricate their equipment to be able to produce what we need them to produce. So a little thing like a fire in a grease plant in Wisconsin has far reaching impact on every single industry in the country. You take all of that and you start putting together and plugging those pieces in the puzzle. You see a pretty bad picture. What kind of hope can I give to people? Go home tonight and, and, and hug your spouse and tell them you love them. Hug your children and tell them you love them. Tell them everything's going to be okay. And then you start formulating a plan. You contact some of these companies that have heirloom seeds, you know, and, and have them you know, buy, buy a couple containers of heirloom seeds. Go in your backyard, plow up your backyard and plant yourself a garden. So you'll have some kind of food. What can you do now? You you can turn off the TV and 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 stop wasting time and start getting prepared for your family. That's best advice I can give anybody. I hear people say all the time, "Man, I wish in 2019 I would have known about the the impending toilet paper shortage. I would have bought up all the toilet paper and started a website selling toilet paper and and made a fortune during the pandemic during the first couple months of the pandemic." Well, I'm telling you now. That if you would have known we were going to face such a shortage in toilet paper, would you have stockpiled toilet paper? Would you have stockpiled enough to sell it and make a profit off of it? You're going to have a hard time feeding your family in just four months. Four months. And when I say a hard time, I'm, I'm talking like you're going to go home one night and you're going to sit down on your iPad or your computer. And you're going to pull up YouTube to watch videos on how they, they cooked food and, and made stuff stretch farther during the Depression or during the the dirt dust bowl uh, early turn of the century. You're going to try to figure out how to take one chicken and make two meals out of it to feed a family of six because you're not going to be able to get much chickens. Look at the chickens, for example. Last month, there was a report that two, two, uh, avian flu. Yeah. Two egg farms in Illinois had avian flu and they had to euthanize 3.2 million chickens by the end of the month, by the end of March, it had spread to three states and, and something like uh, 16.7 million chickens that lay eggs daily that go into our food supply. It had to be euthanized. But what most people don't realize on that is they don't just take these chickens out and euthanize them and then replace those chickens. 
they burn the barns to the ground. Right. <laughs> it's it's total. They do to the chickens what Genghis Khan did to the villages. There's nothing left when they're done. It takes five years to rebuild that flock. So almost 17 million chickens that produce eggs on a daily basis. It's going to be five years before we're back to where we were at just two months ago. Yep. And that's if it doesn't continue to spread. Yeah, I feel All sorry right. for Arby's. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I'm going to take a sharp turn here, Bob, Okay, <laughs> because I was born a happy baby and I'm sticking with it. Okay. So I, I came up, you mentioned, you mentioned some of these. I'm going to give, I'm going to start people out with some action steps that they can do right now because Perfect. I, I think this is the last call is what, is what I'm going to say, Bob, you said the ship's already sailed, but I'm going to say, this is the last call. You have a chance to put up months if not years of food produce and i'm gonna i'm gonna just tell you the quick way to do that between now and and the fall so first of all i just want to encourage everybody that's listening you need to listen to the nine part series that creek stort and i just are finishing up just finished up on the disaster ready home uh, Creek's brilliant. He had simple plans. He's all about keeping it simple. We did four parts in that podcast on food. That's episodes 93 through 96 on this podcast right here. You need to share that with five or 10 of your friends because here's what's going to happen. If you have food and they don't, they're going to be coming to you. Okay. You want to equip everybody that you can. In the in those podcasts, we covered a simplified three-month building food plan that you can do pretty affordably even right now and we take you right up through a forever food plan but to to implement either one of those you need to do it now because what is it right now it's spring here we have not planted yet we just started an organic farm i think it's going to be a good year for having an organic farm because i'm all about risk mitigation we've been planning this with rodell institute um, they've been helping us out since last year, and we pre pre bought our our fuel, our seed, everything that could have been a situation for us. We pre bought it, and most of it's not available now. So anyway, here's what I want to say to you: You need to get on this now. If you have this, if you have a postage stamp backyard, or you've got room on a deck, or you've got a, a south facing window, you need to grow whatever you can. And Bob, you mentioned heritage seeds. If people don't know what heritage seeds are, they are seeds that will reproduce seed for you so that that's your number one forever food product. Um, in the show notes, you can get those over at ultimatesurvivaltips.com. Click the podcast tab. I'm going to put some links to some reputable uh, reputable heritage seed companies that I use. We're, we do that here so that we can save the seeds year after year after year. Okay, so that's the first thing. You need to go listen to that series with Creek, especially with regards to food, episodes 93 through 96. We step you simply through what you need to do now. You can listen to all four of those episodes in less than four hours and formulate a plan like Bob's talking about. What you need to do is you need to build, if you don't have it, you need to build a food buffer. And I'm talking three months, and you need to do that as soon as possible. Because regardless of what happens crisis-wise, you don't want to be constantly reacting and panic buying into things. You're just going to run out of money. You're going to 
be emotional. You're going to buy the wrong things at the That's wrong right. time. You're going to buy toilet paper instead of peanut butter. You know, when things hit the fan like they, they did in COVID, the craziest things started going out of stock. And so you need to build that food buffer so that you have um, you have time to evaluate what's going on and you have the freedom of mind and the presence of mind to be able to do that without without panic and worrying about yourself or your family. Uh, next thing I want to say is fight crisis fatigue. You don't want to normalize the crazy stuff that we're talking about and that's going on. We used to talk about conspiracy theories and like they're not theories anymore, right? The stuff right. is actually happening. Um, another thing I want to recommend, if you don't know how to do it, uh, start looking on YouTube. You need to can, dehydrate, freeze, or freeze dry. Freeze dry. Your leftovers, your garden surplus for the garden that you're going to grow this year. And, hey, we've got summer coming up. How much food is wasted at summer gatherings and picnics? You need to gather that food up. You need to freeze it or you need to freeze dry it and start building that buffer organically. I mean, you can you can still buy a lot of bulk foods. If you're going to buy bulk food and get your get that buffer right now, you got a few couple hundred, couple thousand dollars uh, hanging around. You need to go over to Bob's site. What's your site, Bob? Um, Minotaur Trading Company. M-I-N-O. You do have food. Yeah. M-I-N-O-T-A-U-R tradingcompany.com we have all kinds of rations on there we also have valhallasurvival.com and mrenation.com just depends on what you're looking for if you're looking for freeze-dried rations go to minotaur if you're looking for uh mres go to mre nation and if you're you know valhalla survival is a company that we have selling a variety of different items like that uh, but all of the profits we use for helping you know veterans and in, in need of different things so nice. just depends on, nice. on what you're looking for but don't one thing I will say, and I say this as the owner of a food company, do not put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't buy all of your, yes. if you're going to buy freeze dried food and dehydrated food or, or rations or MREs, don't buy it all from one company, spread that around so that you don't get menu fatigue when it comes time to, to rely on that food, you know? Right. And you need, you need to be building that uh, non-perishable food buffer by and we talk about Creek and I talk about this at length in those four parts of uh, that four episodes of food that we talked about 93 through 96 in those podcasts, we talk about how you need to be storing up the food that you like and eat now. That's right. right. So you don't have that food fatigue thing going on. So simply you need to listen to the podcasts episodes 93 through 96 you need to bring a couple other people along and share share the podcast with them. You need to build a non-perishable food buffer of at least three months. Uh, you need to grow a garden with heritage seeds. And you need to figure out what the quickest, uh, best way for you to go ahead and put those things up. And what I mean is canning, dehydrating, freezing, or freeze-drying. Um, we have a Harvest Right freeze dryer here. I've got a special deal. I'll talk about that after we let Bob go and uh, you can drop into that world. We love ours. Uh, I, it's absolutely fantastic for uh, putting away just about anything. So Bob yes, sir. and take action, Bob, what did I miss as far as some action steps for people? Um, that's pretty much it. You know, definitely 
definitely form, you know, small communities, right? You know, get with your neighbors, stop, stop hating oh, right. on each other and start working together with each other. You know, it's two is better than one and four is better than two. You know, you, you might grow certain things in your garden. Your neighbor might be able to grow other things. Y'all might be able to trade back and forth. Um, solidify those relationships. You know, there, again, you, everybody that is alive today has survived every bad thing that's ever happened to them. So they can survive this as well. If they have a plan and, and they're willing to, to work toward achieving that plan and, and, and set a goal and achieve that goal, but it's going to require working with others, you know, so solidify those relationships, you know, that, that person that you've you made a really good, that's a great point. Yeah. That, that, that person that, you know, you, you hate to be around, you know, figure out why you hate to be around that person, then get with them and correct that in your relationship, you know, but we're, we're going to need people. Yep. We're going to need to rely on people for, I, I, I like saying, you know, from, for purely selfish reasons, my own survival, I have to become completely unselfish and start preparing for others. You know, you might, you might have a neighbor that's a doctor that refuses to get prepared. Well, you're you're going to need his services one of these days very soon. So set aside some, some extra things for him that you can trade with him or her when, when the time comes, you know, but the big thing is have a plan on what you're going to do and, and how you're going to get through it all. So speaking of freeze dryers Good. and your Skittle problem, you ever, you ever freeze dried the Skittles? I haven't done that yet, but. Oh dude, you were in for a treat. <laughs> they are phenomenal. Pretty awesome. <laughs> I actually don't eat them. <laughs> for some, <laughs> some various other reasons I've, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Bob, you brought up a really good point, and that was actually the one bullet point on my list that I missed, which, which was partnering with people you trust uh, to make it through a major crisis. It's a we thing, not a me thing, right? That's right. Okay, one more time, Bob. How can people get in touch with you? I don't know. Maybe some people want you to come out and speak and oh, yeah. share with you know well, their, their people on on you know what you've been talking about here. You know, the, the best thing is, you know, minotartradingcompany.com. That's www.minotartradingcompany.com. Minotartradingcompany.com. My cell phone number is actually at the top of the screen when you log into the homepage. Um, you know, we're, we're one of the few companies that actually has a phone that works, and, and we actually – that is my cell phone. It comes straight to me. So the owner of the company. So if you ever have any questions or whatever, give me a call. Uh, you ever want to talk about anything, give me a call, text me first. It's always best to text first, make sure I'm, I'm available for a call. Um, speaking of which, you know, you, you mentioned people, you know, going to my website and, and buying some stuff they need. If they do, I, you know, I've got a coupon code out there for ultimate survival tips. It's UST 10. Uh, it's uniform Sierra tango one zero, no spaces gets, get your listeners 10% off of their entire purchase. And there's no expiration date on that, on that coupon code. But I, I do want to reiterate, you know, don't, if you're going to buy your preps, if, if you're going to you know, buy long shelf life food or whatever, don't buy it all from one company, spread that around. Don't spend it all with me, spread it around to other companies. And then to be honest with you, you might want to just, as opposed to buying freeze-dried food, you might want to take advantage of one of those offers on the, the Harvest Right freeze dryers and just go ahead and get that and do it yourself. And, and I say that as the owner of a company that sells rations. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's no longer a point where we've got the luxury of, of playing around with this. It, the whole world has already gone crazy. The end has already happened. 
We just now have to prepare the best that we can to deal with the repercussions of that ending. And it's getting worse daily and, and it's going to continue to get worse. So, you know, have a plan, set aside some food. You can either buy that or you can set it aside yourself, whatever. If you do decide to buy it, go to different companies to get that. And if you choose my company, be one of those companies, use coupon code UST10 to get 10% off your entire order. Bob, I appreciate you a lot, brother. Hey, my man, pleasure, man. This was, this was really helpful for me. I knew things were bad. Now I know they're, they're yeah, they're double that. So, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for all the information. My Thank pleasure. you for the facts. Thank you for helping us. Uh, people listen to Bob and, and do what he said. Thanks, brother. My pleasure. You have a great day. Okay, everyone. Before we head out of here, don't wait any longer. Grab your home freeze dryer by clicking the link in the podcast description or going to ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. Next. I just want to ask you guys to pay it forward by sharing our family-friendly and hopefully helpful and encouraging content with a couple of your friends and loved ones who you would like to help become better prepared for the days ahead. Next, go over to our mothership, ultimatesurvivaltips.com, and check it out. There's lots of free content, videos, unique gear like our tiny survival and first aid guides, our Design Your Own Survival Kit app, plus you can score our weekly survival emag for free. Did I say we have a lot of free stuff available over there? And while you're there, don't forget to click on the podcast tab to get the show notes PDF with links to all the things we discussed today. Then if you haven't done so already, please, please, please go give us a five-star rating and honest review wherever you listen to this podcast. It's another way that you can encourage others, help us rise in the rankings so other people can learn the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear they need to survive what's ahead. And thank you for doing so. All right, everybody, that's it. Share the podcast. Go visit ultimatesurvivaltips.com and give us a sweet five-star review. Thanks for joining us today. I'm David. I'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, remember to keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.